Welcome to the first episode of the Aurelian Hour. Uh, my name is Nick Hogue. I'm the founder of Aurelian. We create organic, high-powered CBD products for life's adventures. And I started this podcast because I thought back to some of the most rich, meaningful parts of life. And they were often when I would sit down with a friend over a coffee or a beer or dinner and just get into a really honest, vulnerable chat about, I guess, the experience of living, the things we think every day, the triumphs, the challenges. And I often found them so empowering because you realize that people go through the same stuff, even though when it you're going through it, it feels like you're the only person dealing with it. When you share it, you often find the other person saying, oh yeah, I know exactly how that feels. And I often left those conversations feeling more empowered, human, connected, and inspired. And so I thought, let's try to create a podcast that 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 recreates that and offers that to our listeners. So I'm starting with focusing on men and men who are entrepreneurs or have struck out on their own in some way and letting the conversation flow from there. And it's not necessarily going to be related to the cannabis industry. The one catch of this podcast, though, is that myself and my guest will always take a dose of Aurelian before starting the podcast. That's the Aurelian tincture holding under our tongue for 30 seconds and then swallowing. So we can spend the next hour feeling very focused, relaxed, uh, and connected. So I'm thrilled to welcome our first guest, who is Adrian Farkason. Adrian is the founder and editor-in-chief of Mary Magazine. He, uh, he came from a background in publishing and the advertising industry, working on the advertising side of Mass Appeal and Esquire Magazine. And he actually continues to consult with various brands such as Adidas, Atlanta Re- Records, uh, Coca-Cola, Converse, and HBO. A few years ago, Adrian wanted to strike out on his own, and he founded Mary Magazine. Mary explores ways to educate and enlighten our society on cannabis culture. The aim is to change the negative impressions and stigmas surrounding the plant and the culture, and to cultivate a sense of community through events and education. In our conversation, we talk about how Adrian left his 9-to-5 job to start Mary, the best advice he ever got, and where he thinks the cannabis industry is headed. Hi, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This no is problem, the, man. Uh, thanks, Nick, for having me. This is the third one we're recording, so nice. it's um, still kind of like a learning process. Congrats, um, man. I was like starting the podcast by just asking, because I'm interviewing men who are entrepreneurs, and I was like starting the podcast by asking, like, when was the decision you made to kind of go out on your own? Because um, you were working in advertising before that, right? Yeah, I've uh, done about like 12 years now working in advertising here in New York City at some of the big um, agencies. Um, and from my like 2008, I originally started um, a previous website that focused on modern world culture and design, travel, just like all these broad elements of lifestyle. So between like 2008 to about 2014, when um, I began getting a little bit bored with that other project just because of the fact from when the whole bloggers um, phenom started to break out, you know, bloggers were making starting their careers just even to just post content online and write about it. Um, and then a shift started to take place in the industry where brands started to hire their own creative and content teams. Yeah, right. So then the need to like work with bloggers or pay out outside bloggers wasn't needed or started to die down. So we're just looking at the industry and saying these same elements of general lifestyle, fashion, food, travel, art, design, um, are still appreciated and loved by the cannabis community. And mainly a lot of people who I know, especially from like the New York scene, but I felt that there was nothing at the time in like say fall of 2014 that spoke to just 
the modern day men and women who use cannabis, like creatives like you and I, just like the downtown cool kids or just like your Wall Street exec or your lawyer, your creative or your teacher. And I felt like as the cannabis industry was shifting and growing with legalization, there needed to be a platform that had quality content, clean visuals, great literature, just literary content. Um, and it didn't exist. So that's when I created it. And I understand I was like, I didn't want it to be just any sort of other magazine, but distinctively a coffee table magazine. So I wanted it to have be a certain size, a certain bulk amount of pages, um, something that you wanted to just feel comfortable having in public, feeling comfortable that you could um, leave on your coffee table, something that your mom and dad could feel comfortable reading and not feel like cringe or right. like nervous like, yeah. and scared of it, you know. Um, and more importantly, talk about health and wellness, the people's relationship to cannabis and preserving the plant. I think those are some of the key, you know, um, ethos of Mary. Yeah. And did you did you just flat out leave your previous job and start or did you kind of do a side uh, hustle no, for no. a little bit as it began? Yeah. Um, always had like side hustles, day jobs. Definitely was a freelance project manager in advertising um, over the years. And, and most recently, I've like probably a month ago, stepped away from um, the corporate world fully. Um this works in advertising, you know, in cannabis, understanding that it wasn't going to be an easy overnight success for your brand, knowing that, you know, revenue wasn't going to be something that could just turn up really quick. Or also just even figuring out that the print industry has a change, you know, like print is a decline in print, but focusing on cannabis was a niche. And then understanding the laws around what we can advertise, who we can work with, getting funding from brands to do full page ads. So definitely understood that you know there was definitely going to need a side hustle to keep the lights on for sure and what's the process of like of like like if i were to start my own magazine where do you go to print it like how does that work you you do that's that's you so that's design all it all on the computer and then you how does that how does so that's it? like all the upfront research you have to do probably before you even begin designing and laying out the magazine is yeah. figuring out what kind of paper you want where you're going to get it printed how much is going to get cost to printed where you're going to be distributed, all that stuff like that. So there's all that pre-work you have to do. And then you got to start thinking, about, all right, what is this magazine going to be? How do you get it? And then one of the whole, the hardest things is when your new magazine is people are going to compare it to whatever they see else out in the industry that they think is cannabis focused. Yeah. So trying to sell something that didn't exist is tough. Right. And it didn't exist really at all. Cause I mean, yeah. like what do you have the high times, I guess you have, but that's a very different vibe than what you're doing at Mary. Yeah. And they've been around like 40 years. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, as we're saying, like they're much thinner than what we are. Each issue about us is like 200 plus pages. So how do you get people to fund or believe in something that they haven't seen and is completely different from what was out there? Um, so that was a nice creative challenge to execute and one of the good things that i love when people first see the magazine is like they're taken back by like the size of it or like how thick it is they're less like this is a book like this is not a magazine so and, and i love that feeling and reaction from people so that's good to know that it's 
it, it leaves a certain sentiment with them when they see it. Yeah, right. It's yeah. all about kind of just changing the way people view cannabis and mm-hmm. even just the idea of having like a thick magazine. Yeah. Just look at all this depth and content. And something that, you know, you can go back to, you know, in a few months or a few years to like and still relate to it. Like we make yeah. sure, you know, the content is timeless, something you can go back to and just share with other people and make sure it's relatable. And did you have the 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 idea to do like the Mary Talks and like the other ancillary um, things from the beginning or the starting in the beginning we definitely had ideas to do dinner parties yeah. um sort of like expos or trade shows and stuff like that so there was always yeah those additional added value opportunities that a brands would want to get working together with us you know like give me five thousand dollars for like a full page ad isn't going to cut it they want to be like sponsors and dinners they want to be involved with stuff like that so um those other extensions of the brand were already in place when we came up with the panel discussion idea um that was definitely something as well yeah that not initially but came about it when we were like looking at what the ted talks experience were like and like why not something like this for the cannabis industry or the cannabis community yeah um then we launched uh mary sessions which is our live music series as well we um did that on a rooftop in Williamsburg we had a, like a five-piece live band CBD tacos CBD cocktails um we had about like 80 people that was on on a rooftop you know totally dope experience and just taking those elements that those general lifestyle elements and combining them with cannabis music and cannabis go hand in hand food and cannabis go hand in hand it's like it makes sense to just combine marry these worlds together and bring out the community that loves these things One thing I always like to ask is, so what's been the biggest challenge so far? I mean, is there one moment that you can, I mean, I know it's all challenging and it continues to be challenging. We were just talking about that um, when you have your own business, your own brand, particularly in this space, which is ever evolving and, and is now becoming very saturated, of course. Mm -hmm. But is there one moment where in the past year or two years where it just, you really thought, wow, this is like just a sort of a, a really challenging moment? Um, I would say... Actually, there was a moment when we were working on the first issue and it was before it, it dropped where there was that, you know, the, all our team members were still working day jobs and like just trying to find that balance of how do we work in our industry and we don't work in nine to five jobs. Like we were all working creative and media jobs where it's like you're working 12 hours sometimes. Yeah, right. So then you got a spouse to go to or you got kids at home that you need to tend to. So then how do we pull this all together? And then I think the first issue was definitely like over 200 pages. So just taking what didn't exist and creating something brand new was tough. And then I think there was at one point before we were, before we were going to print, um, I think we were just like, there's a few delays in communication amongst the team. And then I, at one point I was like, let's just stop this. And then, um, one of them, our founding art directors who created like the logo in the first issue was just like, nah, man, like don't give up hope. This is something that you're really passionate about and just like you really believe in. This is really smart to do. So, you know, just bear with the team. Like this is all it's going to come together. Um, and we did like we dropped the first issue. And then I think that was the only time where I ever felt um, I wanted to step away or just like give up. But ever since the first issue came out, it was all just like just keep going. Yeah. And then understanding like 
within the cannabis industry, it's going to be tough. You know, as we were talking about earlier, it's not going to, you know, there's no overnight success with this. There's everything with the laws and regulations we got to deal with um, that we're changing frequently. There's state by state laws we have to deal with. There's laws about what we can do as a media brand, how we can talk with um, or talk about products and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Right. You have to yeah. be careful about how you, the claims that you claims make by or accident. even content. Like, there's, like, I would never put out a story that's like how to grow cannabis or how to do something, something, because you're then technically telling people to do something that's still federally illegal. Oh, right. Yeah. So only. So how do people like the high times and things to get away with it? That's just their prerogative. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's their prerogative. Yeah, I don't right. know how they do that. But right. then just like legally to thinking about certain things like, yeah, well, let's not focus on that. It's more about the relationship of people and the plant. And also, as you're saying, all the things that it relates to, the music, yeah. the food, all the exactly. other cultural elements that all these cannabis things, fall, yeah. you know, falls like, under. There's so many, that's so much great art that gets produced off of using cannabis that, or in tribute to cannabis. Um, there's lots of, so many, you know, creative minds who use it. So, like, let's explore these things from art, design, food, which is obviously a continuing sector in the industry. Um, and it's going to be, like, you know, this thing, what's going to be really big our beverages over the next few years yeah, right. um so really excited to see like what's going to come about for that sector do you think um like i know some of like the big companies like the anheuser bush or whatever are kind of kind of falling into that or thinking about falling into that space you know that's uh i think there's a company actually called bev canna um i think they're kind of taking that model of trying to become like an anheuser bush of of, of cannabis infused drinks yeah. um and that makes sense. There was a whole, you know, a few years ago with Constellation, which is the brand that um, I think owns Corona. Oh. They were the ones that were like investing in a company in California, uh, in Canada. And that was like a huge, big thing as well. There was a rumor that uh, Coca-Cola was investing into a brand as well. And everyone's like, oh, they're going to come out with like some sort of CBD Powerade drink. So, yeah, like it's sold on Walmart and all this um, largely accessible places. So there is a need. I think it's just a message of, What's the medicine doing to people? How they can incorporate into their lives? So, and make sure that it's quality product. One thing that we want to do as a brand in the future um, is be able to have our own sort of maybe testing facilities where we are keeping brands um, accredited to the products that they're putting out. Yeah. You know, right. if you're saying you have 500 milligrams of CBD in this and you're taking people's hard earned money and then you test it, then it's less yeah, than that. Absolutely. It's like, that's an issue or even potency levels. People are promising certain stuff like that. And that's not the case. And it's not so much. It's like hurt brands, but we are talking about things that are pe people are inhaling, digesting, yeah, and absolutely. it's supposed to help people with their lives. So we want to make sure that products are doing that. Yeah. Right. I, I at the recent event that luxury and cannabis, we we're just talking about, um, some of the curated marketplaces talk about how they've started to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, like standard dose does that. Um, and uh, that's kind of interesting. And also, I think there was a recent study that came out where they did test like <laughs> like a huge portion of CBD products on the market. And 80% 80, 80 of them, uh, you know, did not test up to what was claimed in the bottle in terms of milligrams yeah. of CBD, but also the cleanliness of it, lack of pesticides, herbicides, etc. So, And that's the issue that you, I wouldn't say an issue, but it's become such a big trend where it's at your local cafe or juice shop. And right. these brands are being sold aren't probably tested there's probably no um lab labels on there you know saying it's x amount of potency or x amount of milligrams so are people actually getting cbd or hemp or you're probably just taking some green oil 
Yeah, right. Like you don't even know what it is. I know. It's pretty, I, you can really tell when people are in it for the right reasons and when people don't really know what they're talking about and they're just hopping on the bandwagon mm-hmm. of cannabis and CBD. Yeah, yeah and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about like parts in, have I had any moments where I felt like giving up? And it was just like, no, because I knew it wasn't going to be a quick thing. You know, it's going to be a struggle and we're in it for the long haul. I want Mary to Grow to be one of the largest cannabis media and lifestyle brands. And I know that's going to take some time. And then, also understanding we have to deal with New York laws. Then you got to deal with other state laws. Now, if we want to get into Canada, you got to deal with those laws. So it's like, it's not the same as fashion or gaming or you know, any of these other more largely easily accessible industries. Like we have so many I's to dot and T's to check and stuff like that. Yeah, these established industries. One thing that I've found really inspiring is even at the event the other day, meeting all the other brands, like top mm-hmm. brands, it's... You, know, you feel like a desire to want to partner with them, even though we're all competitors in a way. But yeah. we're all sort of trying to do the same thing and, and elevate the space in a way that's, um, that, that, that you're giving people not only a product that really works and it's clean, but also inspires them through the messaging and through the packaging and all that. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of joining up together to kind of defeat uh, the people that aren't in, in it for the right reasons, many of whom are companies that have a lot of money and a lot of uh, finance and backing and stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, that's the way yeah. I feel about, like, you know, partnering with, with all, all sorts of people in the space that are in it for the right reasons. Like, yeah. we all gang together to kind of, you, you know, do the, do the good work. Absolutely. You um, definitely need those alliances, partnerships, um, collaborations to, like, definitely build up. For, for one, it's like you have issues with um, social media or just the Internet. Um, it was like SEO optimization. Um, can't sell or promote stuff on Facebook or Instagram. So you have to do... Can't the, you do topicals now, though? Um, I was just reading I feel about like it. There's there, if they're iffy about CBD. But maybe you can't see, say CBD, you have to say hemp extract, et cetera. Like yeah. there's ways to, to yes, fuck it up. Yes, I think that's what happened is like you have to now take off CBD and just say hemp. Right. Um, but there's a whole issues where it's bots that are scanning your pages and it's, you know, all they see is a keyword and it's like, they shut the page down or they're lot they're blocking access from you to take that further step. So policy definitely has to change. Um, and there is change slowly happening. What's happening a few weeks ago with the safe banking act passing through house, which is allowing banks to protect and work with, um, cannabis brands. Um, we're still waiting it to go through the Senate and then obviously has to be passed by the president. So, but it's still progress. You know, all these things are happening. It's happening slowly, but it's getting there. And, and anybody who's listening, who's not a, you know, a cannabis business, any, uh, anybody who's in the cannabis business knows exactly what we're talking about. Cause mm-hmm. when you want to, you know, have a payment processor to be able to take cards on your website, you can't just go through Stripe or one of the ones or PayPal or one of the ones you normally do. That's all, not allowed for cannabis. So you have to go through these loopholes of finding certain banks that work with this kind of stuff. And that became like a real issue three months ago when the main one kind of just dipped out and didn't Mm -hmm. want to be part of it anymore. And they charge, well, we're charging enormous fees, like, I don't know, 7% per transaction, which of course is way more. So all this will be, uh, remove that headache for most of the brands. I mean, I have, there are brands that were doing really well. They just had to shut down and then couldn't find a, a payment processor. I, yeah. I had people writing me saying, yeah, we're in talks with the bank of India right now My and gosh. we haven't heard back. It's like, Oh man, like that's, yeah. It is like, you're, you're forcing these brands to create these sort of, um, ghost companies just to exist right. essentially. Right. And then, you know, what was happening when the industry first began, a lot of dispensaries were having, 
vaults on site with armed guards. Right. That's that's craziness. Walking into a dispensary and there's a guy, like two guys with like M16s just because they have to protect the store. Right. That's not really going to draw in the average consumer to feel comfortable with cannabis, you know, coming in and there's like two guys with machine guns. Or also it's like, and then what you also have to like transfer it. You keep it in the vault, but then at some point you have to take it and move it someplace else. So now you have like legit armed guard services track like traveling with money <laughs> on yeah, the streets right. it's, it's wild yeah yeah um how did was was cannabis always a part of your life growing did you grow up in new york by the way i forget we've had this conversation but i forget what uh yeah born and raised here in new york my family is from jamaica so first generation american um so obviously cannabis and in the culture of jamaica just the identity you know what Jamaican is connected to cannabis is just globally recognized. So yeah. um, I definitely feel that that country should and needs to play a leadership role on the global conversation for cannabis culture. Um, and they are, they have definitely descheduled it and then they're, they're having like grow operations and farms out there as well. So um, there's change happening there. Um, I definitely, so yeah, cannabis was present, but not in a smoking form. I think I first was introduced to it more of like a holistic aspect where um, in like Jamaican or Caribbean culture, they would take cannabis and then like soak it with like white rum. And a lot of people then use that as a sort of like at home remedy fix, um, you know, for cure-alls for like asthma or certain colds and stuff like that. And it worked. And it's something that has been used for like hundreds of years and people use it and people still do today. Uh, but I think my first experience, like tried it in high school, college, but didn't really, I didn't have a need for it at that point. Um, really came my need for cannabis was working in advertising. Um, and it was just really getting stressed out about the real world. Like, you know, starting your real job out of college and then like just dealing with all the, the craziness that comes with, meetings and just working advertising crazy schedules works projects um so like at the end of the week i would just go see a connect get like an eighth and then like unwind like just how you dealt with the stress of the week and then start over in the next week yeah and then just noticing that it would help with creativity writing um just overall creative processing and thinking so i was like let me just start using it more and then as you know, or not you and I have talked about, it's the whole health and wellness aspect. It's like, this is helping people, but the conversation and education behind it, which is largely just misled or just and misinformation being told to people. Totally. Um, so from then it was just like, let me create this thing. Like I love cannabis and it's helped me. And it's, I know it's relatable to so many other people. So that's what really birthed Mary. Yeah, right. Aside from like, obviously, it's a business and you want it to succeed, and mm-hmm. but it's also like you're on like a we're all like sort of on a on a mission in a way to kind of yeah move this forward in the right direction, which is part of the exciting part because it's mm-hmm. also new and there's a way to really to have an influence yeah and a, and a good influence. It's fascinating actually to hear you say that you know coming from your Jamaican roots to like your relationship to cannabis from the beginning was different and came from a much more medicinal holistic aspect. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you ask most people like, what's your relationship with cannabis? Like, yeah. Like I smoked pot in like, yeah. high school and like, yeah, my parents I, you know, definitely that, were to- not like into smoking or anything like that. So yeah, like me seeing cannabis used for like holistic aspect was like the first, um, format of it. Um, definitely, you know, like my, my parents are definitely, um, I wouldn't even say conservative, but definitely that sort of, those immigrant parents were like, they want their kids on the best path, the best education, stuff like that. So um, when I launched Mary, 
I think like the first two years, I didn't even mention it to my parents. Oh, interesting. Um, and going back to like what I was saying before, it's like, how do you sell something to someone when it doesn't exist? And then it didn't be out there. So I didn't want to go to my Jamaican parents and be like, listen, I'm dabbling in the cannabis industry now. Like, I'm sure my dad would have like fucking flipped his lid. And so but I think like the second issue came, the home issue. Um, and we were in talks with like being featured in Barnes and Nobles and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I told my parents and they were like really supportive of me. Um, and I told them, obviously, you know, I was saying as, as a role as a man of color in the industry, yeah. being of Jamaican descent, um, these are all cru- crucial things that are needed in this aspect right now. And then my dad, who was like, yeah, totally behind it. So, um, yeah, he asked me, you know, every few months, like how things are going and stuff like that. So they're totally behind it. And they're big on topicals, too. Yeah, my parents yeah. are in the 50s and 60s, so um, always giving them creams, balms, and stuff like that, and they love it, like sprays. So I think that was a nice um, added value for them as well to see like they need this stuff and it's helping. Um, one thing I don't know about what you mentioned: what is the history of cannabis in Jamaica? Like, what is that connection? Do you know? Like, how? Do, why I, is why is there such a connection between cannabis and Jamaica? And that, how did that start? I do know. I think seeds or the plant first came from India. Um, over into the Caribbean. Um, and as far as like, how did it become such a big popular thing for Jamaica, which obviously goes into the connection to Rastafarian culture and stuff like that. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people would definitely say like Bob Marley and the Whalers and Peter Tosh and all those guys were definitely ambassadors for the plant and bringing it onto a larger global scale. And then also their message behind their music was also what was that, that righteousness in their inner, their voices was what helped shed that light. You know, like, this is what the plan does. It has a better perspective on things. Many people get along with each other. There's no negative vibes. Um, so that definitely helped on the larger um, music scale, culturally. Um, history, I think we definitely have to look more into it. Like, but I do, and I do know India. Um, the seeds first came from India, yeah. for sure. Um, when you were talking about uh, when you were working in advertising, just really stressed out and... Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the things that were going through your your mind back then? I mean, was it just that like, I don't, it, I don't, and, it, and you can take that question out. Was it what what were the things that were stressing you out? Just like work work stress, like dealing with a you know certain type of bosses, dealing with certain that angst that you have to just deal with on certain projects. You know, as I was saying before, these are not nine to five roles. Like you're definitely working late nights on some stuff. You're definitely working on multiple projects. We all have crazy deadlines, so fast turnarounds, multiple meetings a day, you're in, so then you're, you're sitting in multiple meetings a day, so then you probably don't get back to your desk to actually start work until sometime in the late afternoon, so then it's just bottlenecks, so you definitely had those things, you probably weren't eating lunch at right time, so now you got the, you know, the hungry madness going on yeah. in your head, so yeah, it, it's, it's that rigorous gr- grind that made you just be like, all right, I need cannabis to take the stress away, to keep my stress levels down here so I can keep working up here. Yeah. One thing I'm fascinated by, and part of the reason why I started this podcast is because sometimes I think the, the most meaningful moments I've had in life is when you sit down with a friend, you have a really vulnerable, honest chat about the things that you go through and the successes and failures. And you realize like, man, a lot of us are actually really the same, even though Mm -hmm. when you're feeling those things, it feels like you're the only one who's going through them. Yes. Um, but I'm fascinated by this, this, this world we're living in now that like, you know, you sit down with most people, even people that you don't really know that well. And you kind of open up that can of worms like, oh, my God, I'm just so stressed. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so anxious. Yeah. And I'm, 
Uh, and it's just, you know, it's just really interesting. I think, obviously, the, the, the pace at which things move is a big part of it. We also live in New York City, which is, you know, mm-hmm. um, I do tours down at the 9-11 Memorial uh, a few times a week, have for about a year now. Um, and, you know, so I get tourists from around the world. And, you know, most of them, they like appreciate New York, but they're just blown away by just the pace and the... And, you know, as a New Yorker, you kind of get used to it because it's just what you know. Yeah. It's just white noise after living but, here for so long. Yeah. But, but I don't know. What do you think the other, other aspects that attribute to that? When you, I mean, if you talk to other friends about the anxiety and stresses they feel, is it... I think... Is it like... That's a common um, reason why a lot of people use it, stress and anxiety. Um, I feel like when it comes to um, pain management, that is more for a lot of older people either athletes or older folks like the baby boomers our parents who are um, wanting like topicals and tinctures um people our age it's just dealing with that daily stress yeah living in new york living on the daily grind um keeping the lights on how to get the next check um how do you in this industry you know stand out from the next brand how do you so yeah are there any things you like mantras you tell yourself or things that you do as part of your wellness routine to kind of keep you, you know, positive. I mean, obviously there's going to be ups and downs. There are going to be days where you doubt yourself, but are there any things mm-hmm. that you do, whether it's exercise or meditating or, or just things that you'll write down as reminders that are part of your. Yeah. Kind of one of my favorite quotes um, that I like to just tell myself all the time is plan your work, work your plan. Like literally, write down what you need to do and do those exact same things. And I feel like that's how do you continue to grow and that's how you get to the next step. That's how you take time out to think and just process things and, and strategize. I feel like those are really key things. Um, drinking lots of water, working out. Um, definitely for us in the cannabis industry, like, you know, making sure we keep our lungs healthy and stuff like that. Like we smoke, we vape. So making sure that we, we can be healthy so we can continue to manage these companies that we're putting out um and it also be um you know ambassadors or um for the ambassadors or just representation of the things that we're, we're selling or we want people to understand about our own companies we have to be that sort of image that we want to sell as well you know we have to match what we're looking like what we're selling the aesthetic look and feel um exercise really key um Breathing work, breathing techniques. I think that's a huge thing as do, well. Do you do some of that? Um, yeah, just like maybe like 20 deep breaths in the morning. Yeah. Um, obviously, inhaling and exhaling definitely clears out any sort of extra air, gas, anything like that, especially from like vaping and stuff like that. You get all that stuff build up in you. Um, it's really key. Um, and getting into the habit lately where I, I'm a night owl. I, I'll stay up all night. So um, I had a friend who was like an hour before you want to go to bed, try reading so you know in the last like two weeks or so i've been trying to just use the ipad and like read something a few chapters or a few pages a night just to like turn off the brain just wind it down um because if not like i could stay in front of a tv or just like keep working on a laptop and then it's 3 a.m but you don't find the ipad with the like the harsh light keeps you up or do you put it on night mode yeah it automatically goes to night mode so yeah yeah. (laughs) i somebody introduced that to me like a year and a half ago and i never knew it existed yeah and it does really help, like just making that white, white yeah. that that light less kind of bright and like mm-hmm. bluish, like cool light or warm warm light. You feel like maybe it's, I think I feel it in my mind. You just feel like your eyes kind of relax when you're looking at it. Yeah, and, and I think with iBook, I think with, with the night mode is the pages go black and the text is white, so you get that reverse. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
water is such a big one. I remember I had a yoga teacher one time in drama school who said, when you're feeling shitty or when you're feeling low energy or whatever, just do me a favor and just go drink a few glasses of water first and then recheck in. Mm-hmm. So much of, of, of feeling crummy sometimes just because you just haven't had enough water. It sounds yeah. really simple and really kind of like, that can't be true, but it is. Dehydration. Um, and I always tell people to like, just drink water when you're feeling low and it, it should make you feel at least a little bit better. Yeah. Like start um, your day with a glass of water. The breathing and, stuff is also super interesting too. Like, yeah. I went to drama school for three years before like after college, um, like serious conservatory training. Mm -hmm. And most of that stuff was just learning how to like breathe and live in your body without tension. Yeah. Because that's what brings you life expression. That's what makes you look relaxed. And what's also keeps your instrument in this case, your body as an actor healthy. So you can do eight shows a week and, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that in our Western culture, we don't really think about it because it's something we just sort of take for granted. It's like breathing. Well, I breathe every day. I'm breathing right now, but we're talking about a different thing. And so many people hold their breath and they're not even knowing it. You know, when you get really nervous or stressed, a lot of us hold our breath, which is, uh, I don't know why it's a natural instinct. It's almost like a protection mechanism, but it ends up doing exactly the opposite. It ends yeah. up creating more stress. It's why people, when they get nervous, they forget all the things they're trying to say because mm-hmm. literally there's not enough oxygen going through their body because they stop breathing. So they forget yeah. their name and you know, you've seen it. We've all seen people get really nervous in front of people and they just shut down. Yep. So I'm really interested in the idea of, sh- of, 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 of breathing and showing like the average person. Yeah. I attended like this breath that. works class and like, it was really good for it. She was highlighting like the focus on different parts of your body when you were breathing and like how to channel those different zones and like how to, get oxygen to those key parts. And I think that's a huge thing as well. It's just like taking in oxygen. I feel like a lot of people don't understand it. It's like what it means to take a deep breath and like hold it in or yeah. just like, and then exhale and let it travel out. And then also just focusing on different parts of your body where you may feel a pain and just focusing your attention on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. That mind body connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people kind of judge these things right off the bat. Like I ah, some hokey pokey, but yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm so not one of those people, but it really works. You know, even like visualizing where you're bringing your breath, like bringing it to your back so much, so much, so much of, some of, so many of us forget that we have like a back, like, mm-hmm. like cause we're always facing forward and this is, but there's a whole backside to you, you know, the idea of bringing breath to your back and awareness to your back. It's, yeah. uh, and your feet too. Like, yeah, you know, right. We you know, totally discard our feet a lot and it like definitely crucial parts of our body that take up the most daily beatings and it's like people don't tend to their feet the most yeah one thing i'm really passionate about as aurelian grows is to um i'd love to be able to produce wellness retreats whether they're weekend ones upstate or even for less less advantaged communities or even ones that take you down to like mexico and central america and, you know, I, I love to surf and I love to do yoga and stuff, but I, I'm really passionate about bringing one extra wellness element every week, whether yeah. it's a meditation focus or a breathing focus or even like a martial arts or even like some of the like high intensity interval training. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there's so or many. Even just like even um, thought processing, like getting yeah. people to just get thoughts out of their mind, putting it on paper um, to help just take the next step in whatever they have going on. Is totally. Really there's so many deeper ways to live in our body and our head that will not only make individuals happier, mm-hmm. but it'll also make the world, I think, a happier place. And it's yeah. not necessarily scalable, but you know, you do what you can with each group of people, at least introduce them to them to, to, to it. Um, and I think that's a good thing right now that's happening with, I think this generation or it's just this day and time, like the world we live in right now, it's like, we're 
super health conscious. I think like from the previous generation, you had the, the baby boomers who were probably like heavy meat eaters versus like this generation where it's more people having salads multiple times a week, definitely in a gym multiple times or multiple times a day um, and just taking their concern about their health. Um, so that's one thing I really love. So we're part of that where it's the healthy living plus cannabis is being merged together and people are understanding that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think among some of the older generation, there's the thought that like a lot of our generation is very entitled and self-absorbed. And I think that, you know, the Instagram culture, selfie culture is part of that. And I think what you just said is part of it too, but mm -hmm. I think there's a balance between the two. You know, I yeah. think that the, even just the way we approach work, the idea that our parents' generation would be the kind of generation is you started a company in the mailroom and you work your way up and you then retire. Yeah. And people in our generation are like, I don't got time for that. Like, I need to create an app and get paid today. Yeah, right. And <laughs> I want to do my own thing and I want to yeah. start my own thing. And, you know, what happen, needs to happen now, now. So I think there's a balance to all these things. But absolutely, I think the, mm -hmm. the wellness aspect is definitely a more uh, a topic that's more on top of mind. But also because it needs to be. I mean, yeah. think about like how difficult it is just to go f buy food that's not filled with crap. I mean, you know, just that concept alone in this country. And, uh, and one of the things I love with our mayor events, like even though our branding caters to a younger audience due to our aesthetic and colors and design, our events definitely bring out the older audience. Like we definitely get baby boomers who come to our dinner parties or panel discussions. So it's nice that like we also like, attract like that sort of like, pharma age group because that's definitely the the people who use pharma drugs on the regular and they're looking for alternative ways to deal with their pain yeah, they've been right. taking pills and stuff like that for months or decades and they're not seeing any results but you can quickly see the change when using cannabis and you can't deny the science so i love that they come out and they show up and more importantly want they're definitely like they're the ones who are more interested in like how can this help me prolong my life or deal with my pain and stuff like that so yeah i've been really interesting also talking to athletes um you know yeah. from the nfl and the nba some of it which have reached out on via instagram because they're just curious about cbd and cannabis in general mm -hmm. for the same purposes you know of lo making their career longer and allowing them to not have to live for recover with pain yeah and by using you know pharmaceuticals and stuff which you know are addictive they jack up your liver and it just that they don't like it and like the feeling of being on it so mm -hmm. I think that's really also really interesting too. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about the world of sports. I know um, yeah. NFL has definitely begun research on CBD. Um, they're very hush about it, but I know they, they are. I know MMA fighters use it. Um, they definitely need it. Um, basketball. I'm curious to see yeah, how the NBA would open up to CBD or THC. Um, you know, definitely I think football and MMA, those guys definitely take more mental and physical beatings so like their bodies definitely need it and we're talking about you know people are doing this either yes for their career but it's also for our entertainment and you shouldn't be doing this to your body that shouldn't be the reward if that you know if it's just for entertainment it's like at 80 years old you probably won't be able to walk or have that mental capacity I, know, like, I, I think about that when i watch football um boxing. You know, every week boxing him and that guy who just died oh muhammad ali like parkinson's yeah. and like you know michael j fox and all that stuff like that and like but you saw the young boxer who i don't know his name but uh, i'm not such a huge follower of boxing but it was like two weeks ago and he got knocked out oh no um he got knocked mm -hmm. out a few times but then the final one was like he got knocked out really hard and his head hit the canvas and you know completely unconscious and he didn't regain consciousness and wow. they took him off in a stretcher and uh he he passed four or five days later um 
So, you know, uh, yeah, th- that's also when you look at the, that's the same way people look at the NFL. Like, is it worth it? Like, is this sport worth yeah. it? And I, and I think that's a conversation that's happening now too, amongst young football kids, like parents whose sons love football. Moms and dads are like, I don't know if I want my kid playing this stuff. Right. And then it's trickling up to where colleges are seeing a lower, um, admissions for college football players over the last few years because yeah people are concerned like these they're not getting paid or compensated properly and on top of that they're dealing with mental and physical issues so is it worth it and then a lot of these young kids now just like no i'm not doing that i saw that press conference with gronkowski uh you know who played for the new england patriots when he he was like he's partnering with some cbd brand this came out like about a month and a half ago and they had him. It's the first time he's really gone, sort of been in the public since mm-hmm. quitting football, yeah. since retiring. And first of all, he's lost a lot of weight. He's much smaller now. He doesn't have to be as big. But, you know, someone like Gronkowski is like a real sort of like bro, kind of alpha male guy. And he spoke about why he retired. And it's just because he didn't want to live with the pain anymore. And he said that even after winning the last Super Bowl, he was couldn't fall asleep that night because he was in so much pain and so yeah. kind of down. And he even almost got emotional talking about it. And that's when you're like, man, a guy like Gronkowski, who's just, you know, a bro and kind of, yeah, if, just, if he, and also just not to mention the physical stature of the guy, I mean, he's a, he's a supreme athlete. Mm-hmm. Even like something like that has the, that amount of pain. You can only imagine. Yeah. Well, also think about it, It's like, they're, they're big <clears throat> guys. They're six foot five, 250 pounds. So imagine the, that size and weight being in pain and what that must feel like. So of course I'm sure they need the relief and the industry is not going to provide it. Then we have to make changes. There was also that clip of, um, Nate Diaz, the MMA fighter mm-hmm. in his last fight. And they, you know, the day before they do like the open workouts <laughs> and he was there doing some like shadow boxing. And then he goes up and lights up a joint and, yeah. every, you know, ESPN ran it. Be like, you know, well, it was hemp. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was just crazy. Yeah. It's a press conference. CBD, but I thought that was pretty cool. Um, what's been the, um, I asked you what was sort of the biggest challenging moment so far since going off on your own striking Mary, what starting Mary, what's been the biggest triumph? Was there one moment where you thought like just felt um, really proud or, yeah, I think um, the summer of 2016. So at this time, we were doing our dinner parties. Um, we were doing them probably like four times a day. So seasonal dinner parties, infused um, THC dinner parties out in the West Coast. Um, and we would often document these um, on our website and social media. So PAX reached out to us at one point. It was like, we see you guys doing these great dinners. Um, like PAX Whole Foods? PAX Vapor. Oh, vape. oh, got it. Got the, okay. the vape company. Got it. Um, so they reached out to us. It was like, we're launching our PAX 3 pen and our new um, PAX era vaporizers for concentrates. You're like, we will have to collaborate with you guys to put on this dinner for us. We'll give you a budget. Like, we want to do a dinner, but we don't want to actually work on it ourselves we don't have time for that so pax gave us a budget we put on um a dinner for like 50 guests out in a mansion in hollywood hills um it was a great time we had the ceo of pax there he gave a speech and there yeah so this was like in the summer when they were introducing their two new pens so when we saw a big brand like pax reach out to us to do this dinner we realized there's other brands in the industry that need help. So then we pretty much started MCA, which is married creative agency, which does like creative services for event planning, 
strategy, content creation, creative assets, etc. Um, and start working with brands such as like Pax, Leafly, Marley Natural to do sort of these little smaller engagements. So we worked with these brands um, definitely a lot on the West Coast to do things. And then that was like a big, um, like a nice turning point for us to even take our creative talents and help other brands for it. So it's not just on the print and the media side, but on the creative end side, we can help these brands tell their stories, create content, and further reach their audience. Is that something you thought about before or that opportunity um, kind of like open up your mind to that possibility? That, yeah, that came about afterwards as well. Um, I think mainly just because of that incident with, with PAX reaching out to us. Um, and then we're like, we can do these events and get sponsorships and get these brand partnerships going, or we can also just do a private event for you. And that's what really also shifted as well because brands were like, well, we're coming out with this new product and we would love to do like a dinner and like, all right, let's put on a press dinner. Like you don't just get press from Mary, but you get press from 50 different outlets and a lot of them are liking that. So, and then it gave them opportunity where you get to showcase your product just to these people. And that's all they saw. They didn't get to see 10 different other products there. It was just like all eyes on you. And this is the moment. So they definitely like that aspect. Um, and it just helped their brand, you know, in the long run. Yeah. Speaking of vaping, what's your thoughts on all the kind of vaping scare that's been happening recently? Because I have, I know, I have my thoughts about it, but I want to know yours. Um, my thoughts about it. Well, unfortunately, not everyone is lucky like you and I, who are in the cannabis industry, who can get legal quality product. Um, so to say, so it's, my thoughts on that is that unfortunately, people do not purchase black market cannabis products or e-cigarette um, items um, and that's really it like there's no they're currently doing testing on it right now and that's all we can say people just don't purchase that stuff but where are they to go they don't have legal dispensaries in every state so are people still going to be forced to go get these cartridges that have all these pesticides in it so this is another conversation like does this help push legalization forward Right. Yes and no, because the same things can still happen. You can have dispensaries in all 50 states, but you'll still have these black market opportunities or people who don't want to pay those extra taxes when you go to a dispensary. You know, you're sometimes paying like $30 more right, right. or they just don't even have access. You know, if you open up 50 dispensaries in each 50 state, are they then um, accessible to people? Like, is it locally near them or do they have to like, get on a bus or a train and like take an hour to go someplace? So. Right. You have all those issues, but um, yeah, as we can say, it's like don't use any brands or vape cartridges that don't have labeling um, dates on there, their percentages, and show you like, when they're coming from. I think those are very key, and what people have been using, which are putting them in the hospital, or all these illegal stuff. Right. I know. I think the general thing is that the general public will just be scared by the headlines and stuff, but I think the reality is that you know the things they're discovering in some of these vapes that 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 people that have gotten sick and died from mm-hmm. is discovering vitamin E acetate. Is that how you yeah. pronounce it? And just things that just should not be inhaled, which of course, when you go to a proper dispensary, you're not getting them. Although there was one story of a person who apparently got their, their vaporizer from a licensed dispensary and still had some issues. So I don't know mm. what that was about and okay. who knows, but I don't know. I'm, I'm also interested in just the idea of vaping in general, like the, you know, these little cartridges that get heat up by the battery yeah. and what that puts out into the, and over time, what that will do to 
your lungs. I had a conversation a few years ago as well because, um, yeah, we don't know what this vaping stuff will do to us. Like, you need 30 to 50 years of science research to find out how does it affect the body. Vaping is still fairly new. We don't know what it does. I can definitely tell you when I vape, I get dry mouth and all that stuff like that, and that's something I don't like. So I feel like I'm now having to drink more water just to stay hydrated. So I know that's something that is affecting people, and I know dry mouth is a huge thing just everyone who uses vaping. Um, Do you mean like like consistent dry mouth? Like even the next yeah. day you're suffering or from just a like dry you mouth? you hit your vape pen and then your throat just gets dry. Yeah, okay. So it's like, you know, you have people who can chain vape, I guess, if that's the term. Like just keep vaping over and over and then that can just dry out the back of your throat. And then that means if your throat's dry, then your interiors are definitely far more drier. So the recent article I read, I forget what it was. It was in the New York Times, Washington Post, like GQ, but some legitimate publication about the recent kid that almost died in the hospital and it describes his sort of entrance into vaping. Mm. But this was a kid that, you know, I think got a few legitimate vapes, but then became so addicted to it. Then just ended up ordering off the internet and some random site and was getting like these like fruity punch pebbles, like just disgusting stuff. Yeah. And literally vaping all day long, like the thing connected to his lips the whole time. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't care who you are. And even if you're, 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 puff, you're, you're puffing on a legitimate vape, if you're doing it all day long, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be good regardless. Exactly. Know? There's going to be some sort of um, consequences to that, you know. Where do you see the, where do you see the cannabis industry going? I mean, in terms of like, I know it's a really wide ranging question, but with regards to. Uh, I definitely am interested in the evolution of hemp i think that's going to be a huge impact and saver for um the cannabis industry and american economy hemp is safer and stronger than plastic cotton but we don't use it i think uruguay is probably the only country that has cannabis fully legal across industrial medicinal and recreational use um it's like we know these things can be done, but yet the politicians won't take that step in doing it. I just not understand like why, like the science is there, it's proven, but they just don't want to open it up. So I think we as a community have to start using it more and then that will drive down the price because hemp is extremely expensive to use. Um, and then we can, and then they will further see a change. Um, I, also curious to see the change or the um, impact of brands with sustainable packaging. Um, as we were just talking about with vaping, the vaping cartridges are a huge issue as well because they're metal and then people are having hard times recycling them. And I know people who, or even heard that people like sometimes have like jars of just like their old cartridges and they don't know what to throw them out. So creating some sort of recycling program for the cannabis industry, particularly for like the vape cartridges. Maybe it's like for every 10 old cartridges, you get a new free one or something like yeah. that. But like that needs to definitely happen. Um, I think obviously impacts on incarceration. I think, you know, it's something on everyone's mind. I think like for us to sit here and talk about how we own companies in the cannabis industry, but yet I'm sure around this country, since we've been sitting here, several people have probably been locked up for cannabis. Right. So how do we change that narrative, that conversation and get these people back to living their lives with their family and not having a joint impact your life forever. Um, 
Yeah, I think like off the top. Yeah, I mean that's that for me entering the 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 CBD space, entering cannabis via the CBD space. I've just been so inspired now by all the different avenues that you can you conceive of, of yeah. working in cannabis. Like even the one you just said, like designing a program that would allow people to recycle their vapor cartridges. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I think that's something that the average person doesn't really know. All the other possibilities of hemp too. With we were yeah. just talking about before, hempcrete and hemp uh, hemp alternative plastics. Yeah, uh, it's just um, at at this event a few days ago. I went to this event called Cannabis and Luxury. And uh, there were some people that work in data around cannabis. And they were saying that, you know, the, the legalization of hemp and cannabis could be one of the single biggest industrial shifts in our, in our humankind, like speed, like huge yeah. industrial thing. It's just everything from automobiles to like daily household right. items. Like if you can create cars that can be used off hemp fuel and powered by solar power, that fixes a huge gas crisis that we have it also is a disruptive to all those industries so you're mm-hmm. talking about a lot of a lot of money that you know yeah which is also i mean that's and in hemp other. as we were saying earlier is stronger than plastic and all this stuff like that so if you can create cars that are more sturdy and durable you know so that if there's an accident or whatever the case may be less impact on lives and stuff like that can be prevented um why not with regards to reaching out and like protecting the many of the black and brown communities that have been ravaged by the, the, the war on drugs for all these years. What are some ways that you, with Mary or yourself or with other people, envision kind of, like the same we were talking about all the alternatives to these businesses, what are some ways that we can be creative uh, about, about sort of fostering that, fostering opportunities for these men and women? Um, um, so I've been thinking a lot yeah. about that too. So. Yeah, I would say like, access and education is really key um so one of the things we were saying earlier is like the internet is a sort of barrier for the cannabis industry meaning uh se optimization is in our favor and facebook and instagram so reaching larger communities digitally or online is a is a issue or setback for some people right now so how do we you know, have to host events that are in these people's local areas, letting them know that this is there for them. This is an opportunity for their concerns to be heard. Um, any health issues they have, they can be addressed. Um, I think that's really key. Um, and speaking to the larger masses, I feel like right now it's like those who are in the cannabis industry are speaking to each other. It's like preaching to the choir. So how do we extend that voice to the right. larger masses and get those people who are still just like, I don't know about cannabis or still taking pills and still having the same bodily um, pain over and over. So like, how do we reach the people? Um, events, I think is really key for us. And that's what's worth Community building. Yeah, like yeah. our panel discussions, our dinners, our music events. Um, we're working on a wellness retreat next year as well. So we feel like events are a really huge thing to bring the community out. And that's what cannabis does as well. It brings people together. So events are definitely key. Yeah, that made me think of something. I was actually talking to Mary um, from Canaclusive the other day, and obviously I talked to Solange and Danielle from Humble Bloom about this. Just, again, thinking about creative ways to go about all this stuff, and in uh, this issue in particular, I, I, um, I worked with the public theater a few times, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them was a, a thing called the Shakespeare Mobile Unit, which was basically the way Joe Papp, started the public theater, the idea that you'd get these professional actors and you'd rehearse a play and you'd then travel around to different communities and share storytelling. In this case, it was Shakespeare and you'd do it in a bridge version about an hour and a half. 
And so I did a production, um, this is about a year and a half ago. And, you know, with the mobile unit, you tour correctional facilities across uh, the metropolitan area. And it was just uh, fascinating and so moving to see men and women who, you know, the life of them has just been stripped out by these, you know, life-reducing places of prison. Yeah. Come sit around, some of them who have never seen a play before, much less never seen Shakespeare, and who really get into it, inspired by it, moved by it. Mm -hmm. And come up to you after and you see the kind of spark in their eyes. So I've been thinking about ways to combine that effort with the public theater and storytelling with the cannabis community as well. Whether it's getting a, you know, a, a Rolodex or list of the people that are about to get out and invite them to these events yeah. and offer a lending hand uh, to, to get them involved mm -hmm. in this world, you know, so. There, yeah, I, definitely events. Um, what I, one thing I would like to see for like the state of California is for them to do something with Skid Row. Like California is the biggest state right now for cannabis. It's hundreds of brands there, thousands of brands there. But, you know, Skid Row and homelessness is a huge issue for the state of California. So what can these brands do to give back or address it? Like, can they do food service um, operations? Um, one of the ideas we had a few years ago was to do a sort of like 420 turkey drive where mm. we partner with a sort of like either a venue where we can give out 420 turkeys to the needy um but i think there were some implications with working with charities around cannabis and stuff oh, right, like that yeah. so right. yeah and also i guess taking donations from a cannabis company for charity i think is like some weird rules around laws there but that is something i would love to still build on for the future as laws change if we could be able to do that and not just new york but multiple cities New York, Colorado, Seattle, Miami, where homelessness is a huge ravishing issue, but be able to show that the cannabis industry cares. We understand there's an issue with homelessness. We understand there's an issue with incarceration or just people in need. How do we fix this? How do we cater to them? Like helping someone with a meal definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that as being a really, really, um, exciting is the wrong word, but exciting because you're, you know, you're you're doing something that's very needed and, mm -hmm. and you have to be creative about it. I mean, I, like all the ways you, you forget the cannabis, like even just getting money for donating money to a charity. It's like, sorry, I can't do it. You're part yeah. of the cannabis uh, industry. You know? yeah. So that's another way where legalization will open up a lot of these doors, not just with the banking, but all sorts of other things too. Absolutely. What's your dream with all this stuff? I mean, when you, I don't know when mm. you're about to go to bed or when you like, what do I want? Mary when you, be? when you imagine you're, you in 10, 20 years, what do you imagine? Um, Mary being definitely a household cannabis media name, both, uh, from a branding perspective, lifestyle and media. I want people to know the magazine, know our merchandise, our events. Um, I want us to grow into, tap into the world of sports or larger scaled events. Um, I would love to put on sort of sports festivals. I think the world of alternative sports and cannabis definitely haven't had that public marriage just yet. What do you think? What do you mean by alternative sports? Snowboarding. Oh, right. Okay. Skiing. Oh, I BMX, see. Right. Biking. Right. Um, right. Skateboarding. Surfing. Surfing. If we could put on, say, a sort of 
sports festival where we had athletes who would compete, but we were sponsored by CBD brands, energy drink brands, protein bar brands. This is all health and wellness, muscle recovery. These are all things that these brands do. And these are all sports that connect to cannabis lifestyle. Why not? Like, let's put on some sort of big festival like this and then make it a big as X Games or the Red Bull competitions. Um, definitely want to reach the stature of, you know, what what Vanity Fairs means to general lifestyle and that sort of um, aesthetic for those who read it. We want to be able to have Mary's Magazine match that sort of level of editorial achievement. You know, we want to make sure we are up there and maintain that status of the mature voice of cannabis culture and making sure like our magazine is also noticeable when present. That's so cool. Have you, um, have you seen as you've, as you've been in the industry and had the magazine that just the way people's perceptions of cannabis are changing? Like when you first started, people are like, Oh dude, cool. You're doing a, a, a magazine on cannabis. Awesome. Yeah. Versus, I mean, versus now it's like, Whoa, this is really, yeah. And I think a lot of that has helped, um, you know, with the trend of CBD, yeah. like how it became such a huge, it was like the number one Google search word, I think like 2018. Um, and just what it's done over the last year, like it's just become a huge household name. So people are open to exploring cannabis and seeing how it works for them. So I feel like that, that veal is starting to come off more and it's helping us. And it's now just how do we continue to scale the brand and the company to reach for the people? Um, one thing I would also like to do in the future as well is have um, international editions. Right now, Mary is only written in English, but love to have it written in Spanish, have to have it written in like Hebrew or Cantonese, um, you know, or have like different international branches as well. So truly be the global household name for cannabis. Yeah, that's super exciting. It's all these. Uh, isn't one of the things you find so exciting about being in the cannabis industry is that it's 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 so new and so evolving. And it's also what makes it really frustrating because mm -hmm. you know you don't really know where you stand constantly because laws are changing and you know you don't you don't know yeah. sometimes a lot what you're what you what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. But at the same time, like it's that creative challenge. Yeah, that's like, what I love about you it. know to be in a position where you could you could be that magazine that is like the the mature voice of cannabis in all languages across the world. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, just we'll think back to us sitting here in my, I know like 10 years from now, this like, podcast, you know, and then, and then we'll be on a stage in like London with like a thousand people in front of us and like, look at where right. we come to. Like, yeah. Yeah. So because I, at least initially with this podcast decided to focus on interviewing men and specifically men who are entrepreneurs or struck it on their own, uh, Part of that, and it relates to Aurelian as a company, the idea of re-examining masculinity and what it means to be a man in relationship to um, our female counterparts or people who identify however they identify. What what does it mean to you to to like what makes a man? What does being a man mean to you? And you can answer that question however you want to answer it. But if you had any thoughts about that, um. Well, definitely some of the elements that I'm about to mention can definitely be contributed also to females as well, but definitely aspects of leadership, confidence, um, levels of like your assertiveness and like what you want out of life, just being determined. Um, and, you know, this is not even really gender specific, but how, how we come across, how we are portrayed is really key right now as far as like men in the industry. So 
what what does it mean for us to be masculine in 2020 i feel like is a it's a huge question for yeah. a, lo- a lot of men like what yeah how does this change us um for me yeah as i said like leadership confidence um having that assertiveness in what you want um and also making sure that people understand your identity i think that's really key as well for for men for men what do you mean by people um, understand your identity who do you want to be to the world? How do you want the world to see you? How do you want someone to speak about you when you're not in the room? Oh, okay. um, I think those are really key as well because I feel like what's happening right now or what has happened with like the, you know, the Me Too movement or any sexual harassment and stuff like that is, you know, how, how many times can we hear Matt Lauer's name come up in the news? And it's a, a huge change of what we saw him as. Yeah. So now it's like, what do we think of Matt Lauer or Harvey Weinstein or any of these other guys as well? So, yeah, how do you, what do you want your identity to be in the long run, you know, when things come out is, is really key. Yeah, I sort of, I just thought of this, I see it sort of parallels of what we were talking about before with regards to what we're trying to do in the cannabis industry versus also like representing men in a certain way that, that, that is hopefully positive. Yeah. Um, and, def- and definitely like the industry is definitely largely targeted and skewed to women. So it's like, how do we even still have a lane for ourselves in the cannabis industry as men and in opening to partnering and, and collaborating with women, of course, totally, yeah. um, but also still having our own um, targeted content, if you will. Um, I think like I was speaking to someone who he's in California and he owns this, um, a CBD brand, which is focused on erectile dysfunction. Um, and that's something I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about within the industry. A lot of things are a lot of stuff when CBD is focused on like menstrual pain or stuff that's catered to like women um, issues. But CBD fixes inflammation, damaged tissue. And that, those are some of the causing things that affect erectile dysfunction. So how do we continue to cater things that fix that prostate cancer? Um, or any sort of like, you know, largely known male illnesses. What, is, what is the product that, that it's a CBD oil that I see this person um, come out with? It's a CBD drink. Um, it's called Buckshot. Um, it's so it's a company called Pride, Pride Wellness. They're based in California. It's owned by two trans men. Hmm. Um, and the product's amazing. Um, it, the, their item's called the Buckshot. Um, and it's it's awesome. And it's a it's a ingestible it's a, a, a drink. Um, oh, okay, okay. I'm not sure drink, how, many, right. how many ounces it is, but it's a a drink that you can enjoy. Yeah, got it. Interesting. Yeah, I think the real interesting issue. And I remember reading um, because you brought up the erectile dysfunction thing. I remember when um, reading about hymns. Uh, you know, hymns sells like I hair loss stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and like erectile dysfunction. But they how they marketed it and they tried to kind of make it sort of cheeky with like having like the drooped over cactus mm-hmm. and like not having models but having like regular people be yeah. the models and all this sort of in the effort of kind of taking out the embarrassment and demystifying the stuff and mm-hmm. just making it like, Hey dude, you're a dude and it's whatever. Just, it happens, yeah. Um and I, I find that really interesting because I think that relates a lot to to topics related to vulnerability and fear Openness. and all this stuff yeah. that I like, think that, and that's why I'm interested in that conversation, that, that, that question about what makes a man, what is masculinity? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a real de- redefinition of it needing to take place. And I think that, true. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think like more guys are becoming more vulnerable, more open. Yeah. And like there's, especially right now with um people like mental health and just talking about um, their issues. I feel like a lot of people are definitely opening up to therapy and going to therapy as well. So I feel like, 
those things are huge. Just showing that level of, of self-awareness that people can just open up and take advice, give advice and see how it works for them. Yeah. Um, last question I'll ask is, uh, what's the best piece of advice you ever got? Is there one that sticks out or one that, that, I mean, you mentioned, uh, the, the, the planning, you know, plan your yeah, work and then plan your work, work your plan. Work your plan. Um, so you already should, but advice. if there's any other ones that, I don't know if there isn't, then that's okay. Um, I constantly having different ones that run through yeah. my mind. I would say just be mindful of your relationships. Like there, it's just like dating. You want to know who you're going to be talking with, who you're going to be working with. Um, you have to do that research before you dive into something. Um, you know, right now there's a lot of people who want to make quick dollar off the cannabis industry. Um, and they see opportunities and like, I want to invest or inquire your business. But then it's like, why do you truly want to do that? Um, what does this mean for me? And you don't want to end up giving a part of your company to someone and then having someone's hand on the back of your neck every quarter looking for the return so just making sure you partner with people who understand your vision and are going to support you um, and hopefully you know that's what investors are supposed to do is they're supposed to invest into the person into the brand because that's what's going to bring them their money back so just finding out what's the right fit what's a good relationship for you how does this person work for me does this person really stand up for my aesthetic or my um same values you know those really matter so yeah know who you're dealing with y'all <laughs> thanks so much for coming on i no problem. Uh, it's Thank a pleasure and me. honor to have you on and if you're interested in learning more about mary magazine or adrian you can go to mary-magazine.com and there's also links to the other areas of mary like mary creative agency mary talks and the newly launched mary marketplace thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time <laughs>